0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live.
1: Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
2: And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Elspeth.
0: And Jay Noon.
2: So we wanted to start off talking about this shooter in Maine. Jay has some things he wants to say about it. We have this article um, from TimCast that just basically uh, gives a rundown of what happened for anybody who hasn't heard. It's kind of... um, a bigger news than more, most um, shootings to, to us because it only happened three hours away from us. And, um, you know, we know people that happen to know this person, maybe not exactly, or um, maybe, you know, different degrees of knowing him, like someone's cousin knew him or something like that. Um, and also, it's a little interesting to me because of the fact that this guy um, was admittedly crazy and he was a messed up like ptsd having veteran and that's really sad that that happens to people it's terrible people join the military and they get in wars and they get ptsd because you know government wars and um it's terrible but it it just doesn't surprise me that somebody who had an issue like that um checks himself into mental institutions might uh you know become a shooter
0: so i don't know what the number is today but years ago and you know 10 12 years ago i was Adam Kokesh was talking a lot about, you know, the uh, problems with the military. He did a lot of like uh, counter um, recruiting. He would go to these recru- recruitment places and That's he'd be great. like tell tell kids, "Hey, listen, um, you know, you don't want to go into the military. You're just going to be there fighting rich man's wars. You know, you just all, all the stuff that he like did in Iraq and it was like the P- and the and when you have PTSD, uh, they you know Adam Kokesh talks about how uh, you know three out of the five meds they put them on the side effects for suicide and you know these are these ssris maybe somebody could could look up real quick what ssri stands for i forget
2: serotonin uh, i don't know why it's two s's it's serotonin reuptake inhibitor okay um i don't remember what the why there's two s's there's probably i'm missing a letter but it basically makes it to where your brain is filled with serotonin instead of um
0: instead of lack of serotonin (laughs) yeah
2: instead of having a lack of it yeah yeah, it's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor
0: okay (laughs) all right selective so anyways uh yeah and the thing is is this is just like you know so back then it was like 12 years ago it was something like 18 or 22 veterans a day were committing suicide in in the united states of america And I was having a conversation with somebody today and they told me 25 and another guy yesterday, we were just talking about veterans or whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's almost 30. I don't know what it is right now, but there's all different reports. But one thing I can say is a lot of guys that go into the military uh, and they go do these things over in Afghanistan and, you know, let's face it, Afghanistan, basically all Afghanistan was, was a really convenient place for the American government, the CIA, the DEA to basically take over some land and uh, extract a whole bunch, a bunch of minerals called lithium, but also to grow tons of opium or yep. to grow poppy to create opium. It was, and you can go newspaper article after newspaper article, how the heroin output increased like 10,000% or 8,000% as soon as Afghanistan became occupied. So, and
2: this is also getting a little conspiracy on my um, end, but they left a whole bunch of crazy weapons there, like a a huge amount of weapons there. And a lot of people are saying those just went straight to Hamas and directly impacted them being able to attack Israel.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the whole Hamas Israel thing, as far as I'm concerned, is just another inside job. You know, there was a border conveniently closed up, uh, you know, um, and of course the higher ups in the Israeli government, you know, and the higher ups in all of the governments want this war. Uh, You know, the military industrial complex wants this stuff and the best way to arm and 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 even like uh the um the, the whole thing was weapons of mass destruction when i you know the 30 years ago um uh, 44 years old now but i was a teenager young teenager with the whole gulf war situation happening hmm. started in like the 90 early 90 or 89 and it was like oh these guys got weapons of mass de- mass destruction well how do we know we have them well we sold them to them or you know we 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 armed uh, you know basically everybody that america arms A decade later or, you know, a half a decade later, they become some kind of enemy or, you know, shortly after these weapons are are showing up. But the thing is, is when these guys go serve in a military and like, you know, one of my best friends, Special Forces, he was in Afghanistan. And his job was to basically go and they would give a name and identification of some farmer who who refused to grow poppy, who refused to be part of the opium, you know, the heroin trade. Wow. And because these guys wanted to grow wheat or they wanted to grow, you know, some kind of... some kind of food or grain or whatever. And, and Afghanistan is like a very, very fertile place to head. Uh, he's got pictures of all kinds. Of these like um, very high end irrigation systems. Like everything was top notch hmm. and the the farmers that didn't comply, though they were considered, they were ones that were called terrorists and all those people in Afghanistan were doing was just fighting an, an, an invading force. And so basically yeah. the U S goes in there, destroys the place makes a whole, creates a whole bunch of, you know, fatherless children So a friend of mine sent me this message today and uh, says, apparently my dad was hunting not far from there. Talking about in
2: Maine,
0: uh, Lewiston, Maine, and his friends know the guy. He has a twin brother, I guess. Hmm. Supposedly, he's a convicted pedophile, an army ranger and mentally out of it. Also said that there were unmarked cruisers on the property, the family property, talking about this, the, the shooter's family property. Before he went on his killing spree. Wow. And uh, they... Like, what he were also, they
2: doing there at his house? Yeah, who, before it even happened. Not who knows?
0: Him. I mean, you know, the, the, the government is always looking to, in, you know, insight and create reasons to, you know, panic and scare, and scare people and get, you know, get the, uh, all the gun grabbers all riled up. You know, and, and the real solution is this, is there is too bad there wasn't some armed people inside that mall, inside that area. Or maybe they were and they just, you know, f- fled. I mean... If I hear shots going off and you know I'm right next to a door and I got my wife and kids with me and I carry all the time, um, probably just gonna just walk away at my right. wife and kids. Right. Um, I'm not looking to go die.
2: Yeah, um, be a hero.
0: And uh, but if like you know if the guy came in my direction or was you know put me in a corner or put you know I w- wasn't a, an exit you know then I would have to you know do something about it. But We'd be able to. But another another problem with Maine is uh i didn't notice until i just read some messages but maine is like a uh, that you have to
2: retreat right i didn't know that either i was i was wondering when i first started hearing about a shooting there i was thinking you don't really hear about shootings in maine very often at least not like mass shooting like this i think 12 people died or it says dozens died um but anyways um I, i started thinking do they have good gun laws i honestly didn't know but it it the Duty to retreat is one of the stupidest laws. It's just yeah, like, like New oh, Jersey, yeah.
0: New York hmm. City kind of stuff. And yeah. so, so one of the things with Maine, and I was just up in Maine a few weeks ago, and I open carried everywhere, like like, hmm. like nice. I do here in New Hampshire and in Vermont. And uh, they so. You can open carry. You can conceal carry. They essentially have constitutional carry, but there's a whole bunch of restrictions like you can't carry in an establishment that serves alcohol. You can't carry in this type of establishment and that type, I, I don't know the whole list, but a guy hmm. kind of rattled them off to me. So like uh, ma- New Hampshire ha- has one of the best because New Hampshire doesn't have any of those you know, restrictions. But I wonder, was this mall a gun-free zone? Hmm. Because we know that like 97% of uh, mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. We also know that something like, I don't know if it's the same amount of percent of gun sh- uh, mass shootings are are by someone who is on an SSRI.
2: Yep. Um, and it, it just wouldn't surprise me at all if this guy was this from Timcast. It says that NBC's, because <clears throat> if, if you don't know it, we're talking about at all, just a little bit of info about what happened at the shooting. It said NBC cited a police source who said at least 22 people had been killed with another 50 to 60 people injured in the shootings, and um, the Associated Press reported that at least 10 people were killed. Um, Maine State Police issued an alert around 8.25 p.m. warning of an active shooter in Lewiston, the state's lar- or second largest city. Authorities advised residents to remain in their homes with the doors locked. And um, the police issued a photo of a suspect who was wearing Navy cargo pants, a brown hoodie, and tan boots. It's just like, whenever people are military and they, like, You know, he's been out of the military for a few years and he's walking around looking like a military guy. There's unmarked police cruisers at his house. He checked himself into a military, I mean, into a um, mental health facility just a few months ago. It just screams of inside job to me. Yeah, especially that the cars were there before it even happened. Right. It's like last night, Elizabeth and I heard of this um, story that happened in the early 1900s in Iowa Um, I think it was like 1912 or something like that. Yeah, this axe murder happened in this town in Iowa where there was literally never a murder before. They went in and killed eight people, like six of them were kids, and um, what we found out about that that was interesting is the government had been having a fight with the power company, so they had turned off all of the lights in the city just that night, and there's just always little things like that that make me think the government's involved with mass shootings because that this was an axe murder, but um, it just, I, it would totally make sense for them to be involved with mass shootings, even if you're like, why random kids and their parents? Because they want you to be afraid, so that way right. you think that you need them. We have Ridley in New Hampshire. Ridley, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind?
3: Hey, guys. Uh, ha- uh, Hamas and Israel, just kind of like everyone else is talking about, uh, but you know what they're not talking about? Hardly anyone's mentioned this, and you guys may have before, but... How much do you know about the extent to which the Israeli government disarms its own people?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, they make them all join the military. Do they not let them have guns? Otherwise,
0: they don't let them bring Pretty them home.
3: You're, mm. you're not allowed. You're not allowed to have a firearm in your possession without a license. Wow, sounds uh, like a safe place. Only, <laughs> only allowed to have, only allowed to have fifty rounds of ammunition. Uh, according to those two things, according to the Times of Israel, which. Uh, recently took advantage of the massacre to publish an article about how great gun Israeli control. gun control is, Wow! how awesome it is that they have gun control. It doesn't even right? make
2: any sense. I mean, not that a gun, yeah. I don't know if a gun could really help someone flying in on a tricycle and uh, exploding themselves. I- I'm not sure how a gun could really help help you in that situation.
1: Well, when you have a military as big as Israel per capita, right, if you want to add it per capita, I'm sure it's probably one of the biggest in the world. Per capita. Everyone right? has to join. It's very Men well funded. It's yeah, very well funded for sure. Um, I can see why, like, I'm not supporting gun control, but I can see, like, their argument in this. And, How you do know, I,
2: trick people into having gun control? If,
1: if anything, Ridley, you just gave Hamas some key tips here. That there isn't a gun behind every blade of grass in Israel. <laughs> every sand dune or whatever. Yeah, every sand strand. Um, well, you know, this
2: thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Dave Ridley.
3: Well, this this thing keeps coming up, right? Uh, so we have a war in Ukraine because Ukrainians only, well, only 7% of them, only 7% of Ukrainian civilians had a firearm when that thing started. And the Ukrainian government sort of had a rush of brains to the head after the war started and loosened its gun laws. And the Israeli government is actually doing the same thing, but th- this is so much our business because every time one of these countries gets itself into in, gets itself into a war because it doesn't have guns, uh, or it gets invaded because it doesn't have guns, right? Like in the hands of civilians, mm-hmm. uh, that drags the U.S.
2: in, right? And, uh, um, and the, no even, our president, no one, quote unquote, has already said that he is going to defend them and be on their side. He already sent billions of dollars to both sides. Well, I don't know if you call it both sides in this instance. It's Israel and Gaza, but not necessarily Hamas.
3: Yeah, and, but no one even talks about this, pretty much. Uh, this is like, this, there's that saying, you know, freedom's not free, but in a sense, freedom is free. All the government has to do is just stop spending money, putting its own people in jail for trying to defend themselves. Uh, and the level of defense goes way up because you have suddenly you've got a firearm in every third house. Like, I mean, that you look, you've seen the video from that rave, right? You know, where I don't know exactly how many people there were. Maybe let's say it was about 300 people at the rave. I, I couldn't tell for sure from the video. But there should have been 60 or 70 guns in people's pockets at least. Uh, where is at this rave? Where is this? And that should not have been a massacre, it should have been a shootout
2: which rave
3: well there was a there's a music festival that uh, that hamas attacked oh. three three miles yeah. three miles away from the gaza border and uh-huh. so you had just huge numbers of israeli people in this desert environment where it's very easy to tell who the enemy is right because they were all wearing green you know green bandanas or whatever hmm. so it was super easy to, it would be much easier than defending against a mass shooting except for the large number of hamas people but you there, there should have been I mean, those people. There's no reason for them to even run. They should have just all been on the deck, uh, taking prone positions and unloading their firearms on these incoming. Yeah, they were easy you know, targets. Five, five, five mile an hour parachutes. You know, I mean, it, it would have been easy. So uh-huh.
0: I haven't seen any videos, but like I've watched lots of ultralights fly. So basically, you could take one of these ultralights, bring it up you know, sort of high and kind of, you know, glide it. You can, a lot of them, if the wind's like blowing away from you, you can't even hear them, uh, you know, because they're not super loud. And You can put mufflers on them, make them quiet. So, like, if you had uh, any kind of rifle, basically, you if you had a open sight twenty two, you could probably pick these guys off pretty easy, you know, as they were, you know, coming down towards the ground. So this but, is,
2: it looks like this, like a little tiny plane?
0: Uh, so I'm thinking the one that has the parachute on it, the ultralight with the parachute, Um i i don't I kind of, really
2: i don't i hadn't seen a picture or anything so whenever you guys were talking about this I was kind of imagining something like a tricycle that has like a glider yeah. on top <laughs> so it's basically a
0: tricycle with a with a snowmobile engine hmm. and a big parachute are some of them some of them like the ones you just showed me a picture of have the wings they're a little more you know high performance they got to go a little faster but these these parachute ones, like they, they can pretty much glide really slow, just like, like a
2: go-kart go kart with a parachute on top. Yeah, oh, that's, wow, it. Yep, I found that's it. That's it
1: right there. Okay,
0: so that's
2: terrifying. What do they call that? That says easy flight powered parachutes. Uh,
1: All right. Yeah. And I, I actually when I when I first saw this, like it was unbelievable. Right. It says powered
2: and parachutes. That's what they call them here.
1: I just felt like right away false flag. Because I was like, how can you just so easily do this?
2: Major, what's on your mind?
4: Well, um, you got some of your numbers wrong on the main shooting. I wanted to make a couple comments on Ridley spew there. Um, <clears throat> right now, presently, when the when the war started, only 3% of the Israeli, Israeli population was armed.
2: Hmm. That's pretty low. Uh,
4: what was it? The, the Yom Kippur War, I think that was in 1969. They had three countries come against them, and somehow they came out victorious.
2: Was that the Six-Day but War? But anyway, in
4: 1969. 19- in 1972, they passed some stupid gun law, and at that time, the gun owner ratio was 17%, right? So that's, that's tolerable. That's, you know, uh, an armed man in every house almost. It's better. But um, if they... Uh, Oh,
2: what the hell? No, they have less. It
0: It wouldn't be an armed man in every house because I'm sure, well, I don't know how that really attracted gun ownership, but um, it's probably that like, you know, um, every 10th house, everybody's armed (laughs) or or, or every 25 houses, everybody's armed.
4: (laughs) According to most of the reports that I've heard that I thought were actually halfway reliable, um, every house that returned fire to them as they were coming, they pretty much went by it. Right. And the reason they sense. attacked all the reason they attacked all the settlements is because that's where the poor folks are. They it's can't like, afford the price of a permit, much less the price of a gun.
2: It's like um yeah. bullets shooting so out of a went, house is the new the... is the new red um blood over the doorway.
4: Well that comes all the way back from Passover.
2: Oh yeah, I mixed that up with Yom Kippur didn't. Yeah, I? it's a little different.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was a war. That Passover. Oh, Passover so was a Jewish holiday.
2: You said and that I got some was... numbers wrong from the main thing. Is that what? Did more people die than I had?
4: Yeah, I, I've been listening to news clips about this thing all day. There was eighteen hmm. that were initially killed, and then I just heard a little update from the BBC. And the only thing they say is eighteen or more, and there was thirteen critically wounded. So one or two of them may not have made it, I don't know. So it might be up to like twenty, but I heard you spitting out like thirty and fifty and whatnot. And yeah. the other uh, thing that,
2: that was um those of- amount of people were wounded. Yeah,
1: but- I heard that twenty two had passed and fifty to sixty wounded. Which is but that crazy. was last night and they actually I think redacted those
4: numbers or something. Or this whatever.
5: was just yeah, from ten thirteen
4: wounded. And the guy never signed himself into a nut house either. Actually, uh, he's an army reservist and his commanding officers decided he was getting a little loopy. So they called the state police and says, we want you to transport him to the military hospital for a psychiatric evaluation.
2: When was that?
4: This was like six, eight months ago, maybe a year. I don't know. He was admitted, I I believe.
2: Whether he admitted himself or he got admitted it's well no all team. you every
4: time bonnie every time you go to the hospital you have to sign in so that's all they need to twist it right there
2: okay i i don't think it really makes that much of a difference like it doesn't change the conversation yes, well, at all. he didn't he didn't voluntarily
4: check himself into the nuthouse as well there's I'm also such there. thing as, as being
2: involuntarily involved. committed you know right. um you know it's it, there's definitely involuntarily being committed and then voluntarily going
4: there. like that would He wasn't committed. He just went in for a psych
2: evaluation and he passed. Well, we might be talking about something different. I don't have it in front of me anymore.
4: Yeah. And what that was. We're We're talking about the main shooting. This guy was.
0: uh... Okay.
2: I'm putting you on hold. um, Jay was saying something.
0: No, no, no. To. uh, I was one who stated, uh, you know, so a friend of mine in the uh, locally here, his father was hunting with uh, in that area and knows like the family. Hmm. And and they said that he checked himself into a mental health facility this summer for two weeks, is what was mentioned to me.
2: Oh, okay. So, so and
0: that just comes from you know some guy I know who allegedly knows his dad, and there's not any like you know reports, but what he's saying could be very accurate. I don't know.
1: He yeah. he also wanted to he had I I mean this is what I heard in the news. So he uh wanted to shoot up a recruitment office, a National Guard recruitment office, hmm. and like that was on the FBI's radar uh for a moment and that should have been red flags galore
2: yeah
1: and he's a firearm instructor well we know
0: the fbi when uh, my fear with with the fbi you know what it seems like what they do a lot is they come up with these guys who are twisted whacked you know easy to influence um because they are everywhere like i said the the algorithm knows who they are and uh, and they can either just sit back and let it happen because this is all like for the FBI. All this stuff gives them power. And these guys mm-hmm. decide. can't let opportunity
1: power. go to waste. Right. right.
0: So I think
2: you should be careful, though, anytime you're saying like, oh, that the FBI knew, could have done something about this. Like, it's just like asking the FBI to do right. more because
1: I, I agree. Right. But these are as an anarchist, it's hard to say that. Right. But I think I feel like. If there's tools and we have, you know, the government says, depend on us. We need, you need us. You need us. And then they go ahead and they they mess up and they don't like actually provide a service like a mass shooter going crazy. Like, yeah, I think we can blame the FBI and be like, yeah, it's your fault.
2: We have uh, my dad. His name is Rusty in Alabama. Rusty, what's on your mind?
5: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for, uh let me call in. Uh, I got a couple things uh, Jay was talking about. I was going to talk about the Second Amendment, stuff that's kind of contrary, what's going on with uh, Israel compared to uh, our response. Uh, One is on the response from Israel, they were heightened uh, into, hey, let's, let's go ahead and bear arms. We should bear arms and and I think that's a, a good movement, obviously, for Israel. But here in the States, obviously, you're talking about the gun grabbers. Is, you know, they're going for that first.
2: Um, because of the big, main uh, Well, the main One shooter? of the main
5: things of coming out of the Second Amendment you guys were talking about. also, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but uh, one of the kaputzes, there was a 25-year-old. This reported out of Charlie Kirk that I saw earlier for sure. But uh, it was a 25-year-old uh, woman who saved her kaputs. Uh, it's, a, it's a Jewish settlement, of some of the small settlements that were close to the, uh, the site where uh, the Hamas came in. So she had weapons, and she was like one of the only kaputzes or settlements that actually had weapons at all. And with 12 uh, firearms, she was able to save her whole kaputs she was able to hand out to other citizens in her small area, and it could have been just by dozens. That's but they held out for four hours.
1: What? Do you know, like, how we can look that up? Is there, like, a, a name associated to this? Uh,
5: it is. It's, it's a Jewish name I do not know off the top of my head. But it's been reported out there. I know I heard it uh, for the first time today on uh, Charlie Kirk's show. So it's out there, you know, uh, mainstream. Yeah. And uh, that was like- one of the main reasons why Israel, a, a big chunk of israel is like look it's night and day they had guns they lived these people didn't have guns and they did not live
2: so is the israeli government um telling their people no you're not going to be able to um no
5: no they're starting to get on board because i think the popular swell is so egregious against uh right now they're pretty upset about the government not knowing you know how could this happen you know that's been talked about, you know, day one, you know, this is inconceivable that some places, I think it helped for six hours. There was just straight rain of six hours of terror. So they're like, they put their trust in the government, and the Israelis were okay to do that. But what happened is, well, they died. They didn't have a second amendment So it's, you know, obvious lesson from most of us would agree here, obviously, that uh, that would obviously not be the thing to do. But it's getting... Huge groundswell. Have
0: Have you seen uh, any any like photographs of these uh, kaputs, What they like? What these neighborhoods look look like? Do they look like the um, brand new homeowners associations that are going up all around like Dallas and Denver and Phoenix?
5: No. Uh, from the the stuff that I have seen, and I have not seen a picture of that one, so I can't talk for sure about that. It's just they just look like older settlements. Uh, look like smaller houses. Uh, just some of the footage that I've seen, but I haven't really dived into too much. I don't want to get on, uh, throw all that kind of stuff in my brain, all that, uh, extracurricular stuff on there. But, but at the same time of the houses that I've seen, they look like modest, but they look older. They don't, they did not look newer.
2: And so they were able to shoot these people that were coming in on these little flying contraptions or people who well, had I don't know got about on that the ground.
5: Because, well, yeah, they would be on the ground where okay. they try to advance further to the kaputs where the kaputs were so they're a little bit like a few miles away so the, so the exact location i can't swear on it but that's being reported widely that hey you know <laughs> you know uh, a woman that had 12 weapons dispersed them out to other people and they saved their kaputs
1: think about so. uh, if anyone wants to know what a kaput kibbut- a kaputs looks like and imagine just a small little settlement town like sort of isolated from all the other ones and they're all Kind of all tied into each other, <clears throat> like oh, the, the neighbors and sort of uh, that sort of thing. Well, and they, they're like, yeah, oh, they've
5: been close in location, yeah. Yeah, they're just like location. these
1: little, you know, areas of neighborhoods. Then you have like, you know, like 1,500 square to the next foot one.
0: lots with like, you know, 1200 square foot houses on them, something like
1: that. Like 30 acres with a bunch of houses on it. Okay.
2: Well, that, yeah, and, uh, and and there, you said There's that you a lot had of them, actually. something you wanted to say about the Afghanistan poppy. Fields? Yeah,
5: I got a firsthand account, pretty much uh, confirming or uh, backing up the same story that Jay had. There, the poppy fields were definitely protected, and uh, I I did not do a tour in Afghanistan. My tours were in Iraq, but in Afghanistan, I know firsthand account. You know, would tell me of a situation that happened where Al Qaeda individuals that say they were Al Qaeda were working with special operators because there was communication that that spilled over into the, uh, the 101st, the, the guy that I know was in the 101st, 1st uh, Brigade, I'm pretty sure. He had all of his radio communications spilled over, obviously a different language, whatever they speak in Afghanistan, and they had Americans jump in on that conversation. Again, this was only uh, 101st was just listening, like, what's going on? They jumped in and, and said, no, no, break, 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 stop, stop. And they saw the special operators, but they didn't see the uh, Afghanis, but they were pushed off in a the distance. They were going to ambush those guys in the 101st because they got too close to the, hop- uh, the poppy fields.
2: We do have a story from um, the Foundation for Economic Education, fee.org about gun and gun control. I thought it seemed pretty interesting. It says, gun control advocates ignore what the founding fathers really taught. And it says, we don't have to guess. what Is that
1: thought or taught?
2: Oh, wait, thought. Yeah, sorry. My bad. <laughs> we don't have to guess. Not what
1: T-H-O-T, the... by the way, everyone. Yes. That's T-H-O-U-G-H-T. Okay, what they okay. really
2: <laughs> thought when they were writing, I guess. <laughs> um, we don't have to guess what the founding fathers thought about gun rights. We can read what they wrote is the subtitle there. He says in all my years of existence, the Second Amendment of our Constitution has always been considered controversial. Opponents claim it is the cause of gun violence. Proponents assert that it helps guarantee freedom and safety. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. These 27 words have been the subject of much debate during the 20th and 21st centuries. Does it mean that citizens only have a right to own guns if the state has a well-regulated militia in place that they are a part of?
1: No, because it says shall. Okay, go ahead, go ahead.
2: (laughs) I don't think it does. Or does it mean absolutely that the right to bear arms should not be infringed, which is what it literally says. Perhaps it means that You can only use guns for hunting purposes, or you're not allowed to have anything more complicated than an 18th century musket because that's what the founders had when they wrote
1: this. Yeah, but did they say just hunting animals? Nope. Uh, Okay, good point.
2: Um, The last two (laughs) questions don't seem to make sense when you look at the wording of the Second Amendment, but somehow opponents have made this a pillar of their arguments because they keep repeating and insisting on it on the grounds that well, we don't know what the Founding Fathers really intended when they wrote this.
0: But- well, they they intended that the people be so well-armed and more powerful than the government and more powerful than anyone else because, uh, so, purposes, you're not going to be getting invaded. You're not going to be getting invaded by Indians. You're not going to be getting invaded by foreigners. You know, the reason the Prime Minister of Japan said they didn't want to do a ground invasion on the United States because there'd be a sniper behind every blade of grass. I, I can't remember how many hundred million hunting permits. There's, like, something like a... Hundred and maybe uh, uh, more, like 75% of the population has like a hunting permit or something in, wow. in, in the uh, United States. That's right. Or maybe half. But, or it's at least a safety course or something like that. Uh, it was an actual permit for hunting, I really? believe. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the number. But, anyways, here's the thing about a hunter every hunter's a sniper.
6: Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you.
2: We have Starchild from California. Starchild, what's on your mind?
6: Yeah, hey, uh, Bonnie, Joe, Jay, um, Jay Joe. Um, I uh, wanted to um, talk a little bit about the, what I see as the growing importance of uh, the international aspect for the liberty movement, um, including for the Free State Project in New Hampshire, which, which I, I definitely support and I think is a, is a, a great thing and um, encourage everyone to, you know, move there if you can or, or support from afar. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, the world is increasingly interconnected and there's a lot of exciting things happening in other countries as well. I don't know if people have been following, you've been talking about what's going on in Argentina. Uh, with Javier Malay, um, yeah. who, uh, you know, just uh, secured place in the presidential runoff and got the support of the uh, the second uh, runner-up. He didn't get the most votes. Uh, he did it in the primary back in August, uh, right. the primary election. He came out as the number one candidate for and the H- Javier Malay, presidency.
2: Javier uh, we talked about him a few yeah. times on the show. He's basically like Argentina's Ron Paul right now. And I have an article just about exactly what you're bringing up, the <laughs> third runner-up has extended hit her support to him. So it's looking pretty good yes. for him on the Wait, is the results runoff. out yet? Yeah, he didn't uh, win, but there's the, a runoff.
6: Right. On October uh uh what was it just a couple of days ago, twenty fourth, uh no. That's anyway, um whatever the date was. It was, it was Sunday, just the just Sunday that just passed. Sunday, right. Um he, uh, he came in second, which was a little bit disappointing because they'd been expecting to come in first, as he had in the primary. Uh, but basically the, the left-leaning status uh, Peronist government, uh, you know, which is basically the folks who've been running Argentina for the past half century or so uh, since, uh, you know, Juan and Neva Peron famously. Uh, basically, they pulled out all the stops in terms of both fear-mongering, saying, "Oh, you know, your your pension's going to be destroyed if this radical, you know, libertarian gets in," uh, this kind of thing. And also, they uh, put through a bunch of uh, uh, tax cuts and uh, other freebies at the last minute um, to buy votes. Essentially, uh, I think the the government clearly has no money to do. I mean, they have rampant hyperinflation there. And um, cannot afford new spending, but uh, you know buying votes is a tried and huge strategy, and apparently it worked to some extent. But um, fortunately, uh, you know the La Libertad Avanza uh, party, the uh, libertarian party that Javier Malay heads, uh, did pick up uh, a good number of seats in the Argentine legislature, and going forward oh. for the the runoff election on November nineteenth, he's now got the support of the candidate came in third behind himself and, and uh,
2: the first two um, places Malay party. and that uh, guy who won first, they were close enough that it, it caused um, it, it made it to where they're going to have this runoff. So it, considering that, and then the third place person who got like 20% or 26% yeah. um, backing him, it looks pretty good for Malay. Um, I'm really interested to see if he's going to win, but um going back to yeah. your main so- idea. Just yeah. basically, mm-hmm. you said you find it important for libertarians to pay attention to what's going on in the in the whole world. Why is that well not
6: just pay attention what i what I want to specifically uh talk about actually is um there's an organization that I think is worth uh joining and and supporting and uh, trying to get uh, membership in fact from New Hampshire. I just went to their website uh, and they have um, opened uh new membership applications it says for uh, 2023, 2024. Um, the group is called uh, UNPO, the uh, Unrepresented Nations and Peoples Organizations, and they're UNPO.org. What is basically kind of an alternative United Nations, and they've got uh, dozens of uh, member countries and, and some former member countries that uh, you know were eventually admitted into the UN or dropped out for other reasons, but. Um, basically there's a huge number of areas around the world, uh, occupied nations, one might call them, or startup countries, uh, you know, and I, w- I would put New Hampshire in this category potentially, as well as some other places in the United States, like the Lakota Nation uh, or, uh, you know, Hawaii, uh, other areas that are seeking independence. Um, and I think it really behooves all these areas to work together and libertarians to promote the de- se- secession, uh, decentralization on the philosophy that everyone everywhere deserves uh, political self-representation. If you have a majority of people in a particular piece of land uh, who want to secede and become independent, uh, that should always be allowed. It's a fundamental civil right.
2: Well, Joe, <laughs> I did really want to get into your trial today because we have um, another only in one more hour plus the last few minutes of this segment. So what do you have to tell us about what went on today? Ah. Uh. So well, that's been going on for over a year. I've been really excited and I freaking slept in.
1: First off, if you're a witness, please turn off the show. But if you're not a witness, you can listen. There's only like three of you out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the prosecution, oh, what a tool. What a D-bag he was. Is he a soy boy? A, w- got a one... wife beater. Oh, okay. Yeah, How do yeah. you know? Well, I'm just repeating. That's just the
2: vibe? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: Whoa. well, he uh, physically at the end of uh, we get to the end here and not just talk about the trial, but he tried walking through me. Hmm. He purposely bumped his laptop into my uh, my friend Whoa. that he was he was uh, assisting with counsel. Yeah, uh, purposely did that at the end. He knew that, you know, only the bailiff was in there for and like and that bailiff had, you know, had his back turned. So he was doing all this crap. He Whoa. even like he, he he even threatened to dox me. He even threatened to dox me in the court. Wow. This is like absurd behavior. But anyways, if you want to get to the trial, do you have any questions about this it? This is normal for a psychopath, what you're telling oh, me. Oh, so yeah. So why
2: are you on trial?
1: I am on trial because I swung a Don Bulldog. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding.
2: I'm just kidding. I
1: never did that, actually. But uh, no, I'm, I actually, um, I was uh, trespassed from uh St. Anselm College this was during a uh, a debate that WMUR was uh ho- uh hosting or they're the ones uh yeah hosting the they're debate putting it on, yeah. and yeah putting it on and St. Anselm was the host right mm-hmm. and uh they didn't let my friend Jeremy Kaufman in and so I had, and some he re- was
2: running for the same uh, position, but he Correct. was a libertarian. In so.
1: WMUR, changed the qualifier rules for the debate, so that way you couldn't have him in, even and though he was let's a viable
0: candidate. WMUR is just one of these garbage puppet media, uh, you know, um, regurgitators of you know Spinsters. Operation Paperclip, whatever oh, you yeah. know stuff.
2: They, um... Absolutely. They're so bad. They interviewed me right after Ian's thing. They just clipped some one part that made it sound like I was saying something kind of silly, and, and they introduced me as Ian's new wife. He's never had a wife before. They're just trying to make me <laughs> yeah, look, like, young. They're
0: a garbage media outlet that's, yeah. you know, government-sponsored, so...
1: Well, they they reported on um, a few days, like, a day after I went to go file um charges against Don Bulldog for assault, uh, throwing an elbow in my chest. And uh, the W, uh, dumb you, uh, (laughs) uh, you are, uh, they were there and uh, they, um, they promised me while I was being interviewed where like when the camera's off, they promised me that they were going to show the clip of Don Bulldog throwing an elbow in my chest. Well, you know what they did? They played the clip. Up to the point where the elbow goes into my chest. Oh,
2: my gosh.
1: Yeah, so they lied to me. So did you're not you, going to be able to have did it? Did you subpoena that, that video? Well, no, I have... I Look, WMWR wasn't recording. Actually, the, the video that recorded was our friend Penguin. Okay. Um, and um, he was also there in court today. But I am going to be showing that footage if necessary. Actually, it seems... i uh, tell you, the trial is looking pretty good. I don't want to uh, put too much confidence out there because... Um, I, I really feel like the judge is getting a little frustrated with me a little bit. No, they but, wouldn't do that. But she's only frustrated because I don't understand the full process, right? I'm pro se. I'm not a lawyer. Hmm. And it's That's like. That's annoying. Yeah, you yeah. Get and it's like. With you for that. The prosecutor probably objected like, I
7: don't know, a dozen times.
2: We have an unscreened caller. What's on your mind, caller? What's your name?
7: Hey, I was driving uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, Sunday about 3 a.m., and a state trooper followed me for about 10 miles tailgating me right behind Mm -hmm. me. And I want to know, can I like FOIA for the name of the officer, any radio calls he made? I ended up not getting pulled over, but if there's like a state trooper that has it out for me, like, I want to know about it, you know what I mean?
0: I can explain that to you. So the FOIA here is called uh, a right to know uh, request, which is RSA 91A. Mm-hmm. Now, I like better quoting the actual Constitution of uh, New Hampshire for these requests, not their statute, uh, which is basically there's a, if you read the New Hampshire Bill of Rights, it talks about open government and uh,
2: transparent government.
0: Mm-hmm. I forget what clause it is. I think it's eight,
2: right? So
0: <clears throat> so, eight, so, what yeah. you would do Yes is if you have a date and time and a road that you were on and a direction you were traveling, I would include that in, in, in with the um right to know request and I would send it to whatever barracks there is and I would do it certified mail or I would do it, you know well, in hand.
1: Well you mentioned the things that that can identify who's following them, but you need to ask specifically something to the effect of Yep. Um I'd like to know all the plates that he ran or something like that. You call gotta, logs, yeah, call logs, communications, text messages, um, and you know, call us the dispatch. That's those are the things you request. But
0: and and also,
1: if uh, you,
0: you can even if so, if you you really want to, you know, narrow it down, whatever plate number was on the car, be like, hey, did you run this plate? Uh, you could you you could do that also. Now, just curious, uh, what state plate was on the car? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay, so. A lot of people. Who, I think
7: maybe he wanted to read all my bumper stickers. Oh, that's that nice. That, maybe that he's
1: getting smarter.
0: That can <laughs> sort of make you a lightning lightning rod, uh, you know, for these guys' attention. But uh, people who run um, Montana plates often get followed. Yeah. Uh, I hear this all the time, and then the cops usually turn around or they, you know, pull off somewhere. But um, it's been said, uh, um, uh, 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 gra- gra- Grafton uh, police, and actually, an, an, uh Meredith police. i don't know. So the Meredith police told uh, said that they don't like giving tickets to people with Montana plates because they always have to go to court. <laughs> and then another nice. friend of mine, <laughs> he was in grafton True. and a cop told him the same thing that oh if I if I write if I, if I write a ticket to someone with a Montana plate, I, I know I'm going to court. I feel so <laughs> safe
2: driving in my Montana plate cars with all my Free Talk Live, Cop Block, Peace, Bumper Stickers, Porcupines. I've never been pulled over in New Hampshire. And I don't even really get followed by cops. I I think that they don't want to deal with me because of that.
1: I would say so. They see a porcupine sticker on your car in New Hampshire. They're less likely to pull you over. They
2: just know it won't be an easy, quick stop. It, they, yeah, they know answer, it's
1: going to be challenged at least on the yep. scene or in court later on. Uh, unless it's on a
0: camera. cop who has a hard on for it, which you know you're going to come across those once in a while. Yeah. But usually they get so straightened so that's out why pretty he's quick.
7: Calling me for so long,
2: right? That he was trying
7: is to. He scary. was like, he really wanted to pull me over, but he was like, ah, no.
1: <laughs> he, uh, well, I'm waiting for him to give me a real good
2: reason. <laughs> does that oh, kind of answer your? Another... Oh, go ahead. Yes.
7: Yeah, yeah. I wrote all that down. I really appreciate it. I've got another question. Do you mind going through the basics of like the common sense stuff that the state has to do that you can get like a uninspected ticket um, thrown away or like any traffic ticket, just like the the real simple stuff? If um, they mess this up, dismiss.
2: One of the things that Mark Stevens talks about in his books, um, uh, Adventures in Legal Land. Yeah. he'll he'll say maybe he doesn't explain that exactly in that book but that's a great book to read about this is to get them to answer a bunch of simple questions they'd have to answer if they were there like what color was the car what kind of car was it and if they can't even answer if they can't answer those things without looking at notes or anything you could get them thrown out for um, maybe it's not incompetency but for not um, they can't be a good witness if they don't know what color the car was that was there Uh, do you guys have any other ones like that
1: um I mean yeah these are, those are kind of technical so yeah if they misspell your name misspell your address all these different little things you could get them on the technicality and get it thrown out however they won't make us. they won't make the mistake the second time or they purposely made the mistake so that they they hope you catch it cuz they realize they didn't really want to no, do I it No I mean
2: on the stand like you get them in there and you say okay so um what color was my car oh, that I day see. you pulled me over? If they don't know, then they can't really be um, a competent w- witness. That's, a, mean, that's what Mark Stevens thinks. I'm not saying I have right, ever done right. it. As a
1: position of a judge, I'd just be like, I don't care. Uh, what what
0: I really recommend people study, um, and Mark Stevens has a pretty good layout for it, is um, impeaching the witness. So one of, oh, the things, on one, of the, one of the things that you can do with a, a cop when he's on the stand is you can ask the cop, what evidence do you rely on? That um, the New Hampshire Code, for example, RSA is because they're not enforcing law, they're enforcing statutory code. That, that what evidence do you have that the New Hampshire Code applies to anyone quite simply because they are standing on the land that we call New Hampshire?
2: John Bolduck attacked you and then said, "He hit me. He hit me. He hit me. He hit me. That's how he said it to like, yeah. I, I remember it so so well. He was like, "He hit me." And he's like smiling. Cause it's so and fun. Then, to get and then hit. after
1: he said he hit me, he just goes three times USA. He's the one that started that. Oh
2: yeah, that's so weird. He
1: started that chant.
2: That is so freaking weird. Like, what does that have to do with anything?
1: No, he's just trying to drown out the the sorry the, uh, the belligerent, uh, loud, outspoken. Uh, disruptive these are all the words um i'm pretty sure these are all the words the uh the head of security said today and he was embarrassed he was embarrassed for me the college the police the supporters do you need him to be embarrassed for
2: you joa yeah
1: no yeah i actually really appreciate him being embarrassed for me because i wasn't
2: (laughs) (laughs) so go back into this um idea of the judge asking you are you trying to impeach the witness that seems kind of annoying it's like yeah. why are you trying to even if that was what we, you were trying to do um why does she well, she wouldn't do that to the lawyer would she are you oh, trying no to do I'm this? pro
1: se and I I was look I, I'm not so annoying I'm not playing dumb I just like as you're you're in the motions of court you kind of think you're doing the right thing then all of a sudden they check in like, yeah, you, you yeah, no, we can't do that. Da, 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 da. And like,
2: well, they like to mess with you because you're not one the, of the bar people.
1: Right. And the judge was very, very chill. Like she was just letting a bunch of uh, things that I was saying slide and the prosecution is like. Uh, How many times can we let this uh, These leeways go And like you know These things slide And like he just kept on getting up And he's like so monotone Like it's it's psychotic in a way too Like how 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 much of a drone he is Yeah exactly A drone And uh But I think he has a little bit more going on there because he definitely has psychotic ways at the at the end there, getting tr- trying to get physical. Shoulder checking people. Yeah. Well, he tried to walk through me. He uh, threatened to dox me. Like literally, as soon as a judge stepped out of the courtroom, he started like pulling this junk and uh, you know hit my friend with the laptop just to you know hit him as he's going by. Like not hit him, but like you know just you could have avoided your laptop from touching my friend. Like yeah. you you purposely pushed into him. And it's it's just ridiculous. Um, but uh, what, what was I gonna? Oh, for the impeachment part, I actually had printed out the uh, sort of uh, what's it called the uh, criminal trespass law, and I I made it nice and bold and big and printed it out. And I, when he was on this, the the cop was on the stand. I was like, "Could you please circle the areas of which I violated the law in this, you know, trespassing law?" Mm-hmm. And he just circles a couple things. Uh, Like knowing, like, um, I forget the other things he circled right off the top of my head. I didn't, it was actually, this paper became evidence, but the, the prosecution objected and it's like, well, we're trying to get legal determinations out of the witness. And I'm like, he already answered. Hmm. He already answered on this thing and the judge, uh, marked it as evidence and you know, it's evidence now. And he made legal determinations on the stand.
2: Yeah. It's a little, uh, you would think that they, cause every time I tried to ask, I mean, I've only been to uh, one, I've only been on trial once and did okay. One trial on trial once in New Hampshire and was doing it, um, from a perspective of trying to win and being pro se. And, um, Every time I try to ask question, like like how does the uh, law apply to me, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, they just kept saying objection. She's trying to make the meter maid come to a legal conclusion.
1: The judge sequestered witnesses, right? So that they can't talk to each other or the prosecution or me, right? They can't talk to anyone. Press an inch now. As soon as, as soon as the, you know we were dismissed for the day, and the judge left the courtroom. And the prosecutor did his little harassing stuff. And uh, he went into the back room to the conference room all the way down the hall. Press went down there with this camera. Guess what was happening? They were all chatting. The witnesses Oh, and the prosecutor. yeah. Oh, yeah. The witness uh, that got sequestered chit-chatting about the case with the prosecutor.
2: Wow. So sounds, that's
1: on camera?
0: Sounds like you need to send an affidavit to your uh, local state representative and have them investigate this case and call a committee. I think um, I think that prosecutor should be terminated. And the only way that's going to happen yeah. is if you guys do that. You got to do an affidavit, you and the, and the witnesses, and hopefully
1: uh, accompany this video with it. Uh, let me tell you why it's not going to matter.
2: Why
1: judge is going to be like uh, the, the judge is going to ask the prosecutor, "Did you talk to the witness? Oh, not about the case, just about you know football or something." And then the the, the witnesses, the the officer Matthew, whatever. Uh, He's no longer an officer. He's retired. He's going um, like to testify that did, he didn't. Yeah. Did you talk to the uh, prosecutor about the case? Oh, no. We're talking about football. That's what's going to happen.
0: Okay. And nothing's going to happen. It's so, okay. So no, the- another question for these cops is when they're on the stand, are you taught uh, during an investigation it's okay to lie to someone you're investigating to? Ah,
1: I did do this. <laughs> I I asked uh, and uh, I got objected by the prosecution and I was like, whatever i just moved on because mm-hmm. the, the judge wasn't having anything with it either i was i asked them are you allowed to lie were you as a police officer were you, are you allowed to lie and then the pr- prosecutor is just like objection and they're
2: there on their um authority of as a cop so if they say that they are allowed to lie as a cop that's basically just throw them out they're not a good witness
1: mm-hmm. and what, what's fascinating they're a hostile is, witness I, I don't know if I'm going to challenge Not this, but I was thinking really. about challenging this. Uh, so the the cop that took the stand, he's retired. So he didn't dress up as as a uniformed cop. Hmm. But the other cop will be uh, potentially uniformed when he takes a stand. And I will object if a witness is on the stand with a gun.
2: Hmm. Why is like, that?
1: This is intimidation to the defense. Why is the witness that arrested me? Why is this guy with a gun on the witness stand? And I'm disarmed here. This doesn't make any sense. The witness should not be intimidating uh, the defense with this gun on the stand. Is this a bench
0: trial or jury trial? This is a bench trial. So you'll get a uh, appeal it to a jury trial if if necessary. I don't oh, think nice. it will. Okay. So, but this is uh, what, uh what, the um class what misdemeanor? A class B misdemeanor. Class B. So that so that the appeal is a um it is, is an actual jury trial. Correct. Yep.
1: And uh, the, other, uh, the other thing is a violation. So disorderly was a violation. I don't get how that works. How can you get just, oh, here's a fine. Here's a fine for being disorderly. You know, it's all baloney when they're just doing that and they can't say you committed a crime. Nope, violation.
2: They want to just get you to just plead to just doing the violation. So you'll just, you know, not take it to trial and um, you'll, you'll think, oh, it's just going to be a, vi- a fine. This could all be over.